Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to share the latest and greatest in digital marketing trends. Today, we're interviewing Island Wheeldryer, Steve Pomeroy, and Jason Meek about all things attribution. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed. And I'm Andrew McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Musings Season 2 and our last episodes of the season. Today, we're joined by Island, Steve, and Jason to talk about attribution. We have truly an all-star guest lineup for today's conversation. So Island Wheeldryer is a director of performance media and helps lead Merkel's media capability for display and paid social. Steve Pomeroy is the VP of Audience and Media Analytics, supporting the CPG, retail, and B2B verticals for Merkel. He's got 12 years of experience in finance, pricing, merchandising, supply chain, and marketing analytics. (laughs) Jason Meek is a seasoned marketing analytics professional with over 20 years of experience working across various industries, auto, CPG, retail, entertainment, finance, healthcare, I'm sure there's more. (laughs) For the last (laughs) 10 years, he's focused specifically on media effectiveness and working with clients to maximize their media impact while removing less efficient tactics. And he currently leads the attribution practice for Merkle, which is obviously perfect for this episode. So welcome to our show, everyone. Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here. Yeah, excited to be here. So this episode is the first in a two-part series on attribution and measurement. We're tackling this topic as as really an age-old marketing problem that continues to plague us is something that, you know, we always grapple with across accounts. We have touched on some elements of attribution across various episodes, including uh, ones on the GA4 transition earlier this year. And uh, as Island on the line uh, had visited us talking about the cookie list future episodes. Uh, but we haven't actually dedicated coverage around, you know, how to think about attribution for your accounts from more of a holistic sense. So with that background, to start with, could you all reiterate, you know, what we mean when we say attribution? So how do average marketers and teams typically think about measurement on their accounts, um, particularly with focus on digital channels? Yeah, I can jump in. So I think when we think about attribution, you know, really we're talking about understanding the journey in which, uh, you know, consumers take to get to that final conversion in that business action, whether it be you know, a site visit, an actual purchase, or a lead that's generated, right? And where are they coming from? Like what channels or what media is actually driving that person or should we, air quotes, attribute credit to? Um, so that's kind of the generic, you know, way in which to start thinking about when we talk about attribution, you know, putting a frame around it. And then, you know, from a ideal or, you know, I shouldn't even say ideal, but more so, um, most commonly used model standpoint, you know, last touch attribution is one that's just kind of been the age old standard. Um, although the bane of, I'm sure, of the rest of my uh, fellow guests' uh, existence, it's something that we have to contend with um, constantly. And for someone who doesn't know, uh, can you describe what last touch means? Yeah, absolutely. So you can think about it as, you know, a consumer will go through the journey, right? Of, you know, they'll be either watching linear TV, driving their car, seeing on-home billboards, maybe interacting with their social media. And throughout all of these different experiences, they'll get touched by the brand or by a given retailer or, you know, some other company that's trying to convince them that their offering is what um, they need to either sign up for or convert. 
And each one of those touch points then leads up to what we hope is the conversion. And so that last touch point, if you will, we usually search or some sort of digital channel in which we can track. Again, trackability, I think, you know, Jason will come on here in a little bit talking a little bit more about how we can work around that. But trackability when it comes to digital channels is really key. Um, and that's really when last touch comes into play. It's that last trackable uh, channel that happens before that conversion. Got it. So that last trackable channel will just get 100% of the credit for that conversion action, whereas all of those previous interactions leading up to that one would get 0% credit in the last in the last touch attribution. Yep, that's absolutely right. What are some of the more commonly used models that are not last touch? Yeah, so I'd love to hear Jason's thoughts yeah. on this. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think you have anything from MTAs to MMMs. But I'll let the I'll let the master speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the you know the easiest place to start, like Steve said, is is looking at how how your specific campaign or tactic is doing and trying to understand the lift in that. Right. Last click is the next step from that, which looks at the other side and it says it looks at the conversion as opposed to the media exposed and says this conversion happened. What affected it? And can I track what media would have driven that? Right. So if it's digital, yes, paid search display some of those things that they're clicked on, you can track to say this got last touch credit. But if you're looking at a digital only type of solution, things like direct mail or a billboard, those would never get credit, right? Mm -hmm. So from a kind of a fractional attribution standpoint, we have a couple different ways we look about it. One is looking at it in aggregate. So we don't really care to say, did Jason Meek see this paid search ad or did, did he click on this online video and then do an action, right? We look and say, was there spend in this market that happened on this day? And were there conversions that happened or revenue or site clicks or any of those things happening within a certain time frame that we should say that this specific online video should get credit? So that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is then from the, the individual standpoint to say, can I actually say that this conversion saw this online video or saw this specific display ad and link that to a specific individual or person or device and say, can't sh how much credit should I be giving to this? And should it be getting credit? And what else was happening that didn't get credit? Because in the, in the space of attribution, it's not only trying to give marketing how much credit they should get, but how much of that conversion would have happened even without marketing. And mm -hmm. with more sophisticated modeling approaches, we can quantify that portion as well. So last click is giving 100%. Fractionalized or deterministic is giving, dividing that 100% about what we know happened. And then even deeper modeling says, actually, 60% of that market, that conversion would have happened regardless. And here's the 40% and the campaigns that would have gotten credit for that. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. And when an average marketer is thinking about, um, you know, often we'll, we'll come onto an account and they already have some sort of attribution model determined for that account. So they're not really having to make this decision. Um, but if they are in a position where they're able to actually influence which attribution model is chosen, what does like the average marketer team usually go with or uh, what mindset are they using to choose? Yeah, I mean... I'd love to hear Island's thoughts on this because I feel like this is the the thing that we have to deal with on a regular basis when we're onboarding new accounts. You know, usually it's the two of us in a room trying to figure out, okay, what data do they actually have and how are we actually going to make sense of that, right? You know, we're on inherit, you know, what we were just talking about with Jason, a last touch model usually. 
Um, sometimes if we're lucky, they have some sort of ad server or additional tech that kind of lets us look across um, various different platforms. And I think that's another piece, you know, Jason touched it on just briefly there. That's really important too, is what can the technology see? And so what I mean by that is, can the technology or are you, are you using a platform level um, you know, model, i.e. are you using Meta, for example, in which case Meta can only look on the platforms it has? Or are you able to actually use and utilize like a site analytics or an ad serving platform, in which case you can see an even broader spectrum of, of models and different touch points? And so I think that's kind of the initial piece for us is, you know, obviously some sort of fractional credit or deterministic model that can actually spread out the wealth and understand, you know, what is a given consumer seeing across their journey versus just that individual platform as, you know, case study number one. And then maybe even using a combination of those models. You know, I've seen some success where, you know, an individual platform like a meta might actually leverage, you know, a last touch model to really drive conversions and let the algorithm really optimize towards, you know, getting as many people in the funnel as possible while an ad serving model might actually look across and balance out like if programmatic is getting less credit or more versus search, something of that nature. But Island, I know you and I have dealt with a number of these before, so I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Yeah, I would say it's a, a good best practice for a digital program to use an ad server. And so as Steve mentioned, what an ad server does is for our display um ads you can host those assets within an ad server although you don't need to um, and what happens is when a user interacts with one of our ads either when an ad is loaded in the display environment or when a user clicks and that can be either on a display ad or actually with a paid search um, ad a cookie or some sort of deterministic id is used um, to identify the user and then Later on, when that user visits the advertiser site, they can match up um, that previous interaction to a site conversion. And um, the reason this is a good best practice is because you get that um, intra-channel and inter-channel uh, view of what's happening. So within display, you can see how many conversions are being attributed to prospecting or remarketing tactics how many conversions are being attributed to pay search. Um, and all of that is deduped. So you know that um, if you were looking at just a single platform view from any one channel, say if you were only using Google Ads conversion tracking for paid search and you were not using that through the ad server, you would assume that you're probably duplicating a lot of uh, conversions that you're reporting. And so what that allows you to do is first dedupe those conversions, make sure you're not over-reporting. But then also the ad server um, can have a lot of useful built-in features. So a lot of the um, models that Jason and Steve talked about, uh, things like last touch or first touch, linear, um, DDA, so data-driven attribution uh, that uses previous historical data to um, you know, do sophisticated modeling and assume credit. All of those things are available via the ad server. Um, most platforms have their own methods for modeling. And so uh, using Meta as an example again, um, they have the ability for comparing windows. So windows, attribution windows, whether it be 28 day click, seven day click, one day click, one day view. And through that, 
um, you can triangulate what you think you're seeing in terms of performance. Um, and that's where the art of it comes in, the art of looking at the data and interpreting it and analyzing it. And then back to a previous comment about the um, advertiser and agency or analytics team um, mission of working with other teams within the um, within the brand's overall marketing and finance operations. So what I mean by that is um, there has to be a conversation about what source of truth is going to be used to understand performance. So there is the um, platform views that we already covered in terms of what are the data, uh, data signals we can see. Um, and then beyond that, it's a choice of the brand's marketing team and ultimately the brand's decision makers of what source of truth they're going to trust. Is it going to be something like an ad server that has a cross-channel view? Is it going to be a site analytics suite that only sees URL parameters? That's the other aspect of it. That's more of a an art or a negotiation. And just to make sure we're all starting the conversation on the same foot too, uh, because we referenced campaigns a little bit earlier in, in one of the comments, but when we're choosing an attribution model, is that something that might vary by campaign or maybe the, the settings for the attribution model, like how many days in the look back window are set by campaign or campaign type, like an awareness campaign versus a conversion-driven campaign? Or is that something that's really set kind of overall for an entire program? So from my standpoint, we, we've changed the attribution or decay window, uh, decay window based on my channel, right? When you're looking at something as, as simple as like looking at a specific campaign, you may determine how long you may think that that campaign may be effective, right? Mm-hmm. As Alon said, platforms have got some of their own standards of how they kind of constituted, whether it's 28 days or six months, they all kind of change on how much time they want to take credit for, right? When we model, we typically look at this a similar look back window when we look at something like multi-touch attribution, where we say all of the media, whether it's digital or first party, first party being like direct mail or email, driving in a specific conversion, whether online or offline, we would allow up to 90 days. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we're going to allow every single channel 90 days of impact, but we are going to allow that much into the model to determine what the impact is of each. That being said, the effects of something like paid search, typically all of those typically happen within the first week or two weeks in regards to driving conversion, as opposed to display, which may peak at week three or four, or something like online television, which may also be three or four or five or six, right? Or direct mail, which could have you know multiple weeks. And so we, when thinking about when we build our multi-touch attribution solutions, we bake a lot of that into the back end of that so that our clients don't have to actually know or the marketers don't have to know thinking about how does this all work and how is it level set because that's in there. But those types of things are taken into account when thinking about how long are the effects of my medium I place them in market. So that's something also to consider as well. So this kind of brings into other questions. Um, What are common pitfalls of approaches of attribution and measurement that, that marketers are taking today? So like... And, and I guess also, how does this impact um, results by channel? Yeah, I think it's a really, really great point. Um, I, I, 
have to, you know, harken back to some of the things we were just talking about. It just a, too much of a one size fits all, you know, sort of mentality mm-hmm. around, you know, every channel to the, just the question was just asked every channel having to maybe match, um, whether it's their attribution windows or their logic. Right. And there may be intentionality around, you know, how we can actually split that apart. Right. So what Island was just talking about, you know, there may be a differentiator between what an ad server is doing versus what a site analytics tool is doing. And there may be a purpose for that. Right. And I think being okay with that, being able to articulate that, um, is our role. Right. And we have to kind of help the marketers and you know, our clients kind of get there, but also from the standpoint of, you know, being able to clearly define exactly which, which channel has what intent and what they're trying to do. So for example, with search, I wouldn't say you'd ever stretch that search window past seven days. You know, and I think all of us kind of inherently know that, but you know, if you're thinking about it, you know, abstractly, I think search as a mechanism is something that's right at the end of the funnel. It's the tip of the spear right before you have the conversion event happening. It's not something, you know, I don't think all of us find ourselves spending time, you know, just cruising around on google.com and just kind of seeing what <laughs> pops up, right? You know, I think that's kind of what inherently you say it and it sounds a little funny, but you know, then when you talk to marketing teams, it's like, oh yeah, okay, well, let's put ourselves back in reality. And I think that's Sometimes when you're trying to articulate those points back to the teams, right? It's like, what is that realistic interaction with that right. type and that, that intention going to be, you know? And then from that, how do we think that fits within the broader journey? You know, finding synergies and comparable numbers is always Jason's and my goal, right? To be able to like call balls and strikes. But sometimes there is that art that Island was mentioning around, you know, how do we actually mesh all of these things together to paint a holistic picture? Specific things to watch out for that are that are pretty common are a lot of times marketing teams need the answer to finance teams. And finance teams prefer to have a very clear picture. They want a very mm-hmm. clear source of truth. They don't necessarily yeah. like the answer of, well, it depends, or well, your company <laughs> is this, or you know, these sort of interpretations of data. They want very clear data. Yeah, And a lot of times that's where it falls back on the site analytics data. And um, so as, you know, already mentioned, those a lot of times rely on what's visible in the URL. And most of your traffic is coming through, um, well, all of your traffic is coming through either a SERP or a direct load or a click on an ad. And any of us who know about click-through rates on display ads or paid social ads, it's very, very few. Um, or it's very, very low. And so what you get um, from that perspective of using that data is a distorted view of what's actually going on. Um, You know, click and view, they're truly only interaction types. And any click has to be a view first. And this is the Mm -hmm. part that's missed. Um, And so when we're looking at data, if we were to advise marketing teams and finance teams teams, Almost universally, we would say you're overvaluing your click data versus where your funding should be more um, in your your um, demand driving display video, those sorts of um, channels. And so that's probably the biggest challenge and pitfall of a particular type of attribution data is that click only data. Over the years, the the tide has started to turn, but it's very slow because digital marketing as a channel is relatively new to marketing. Um, And a lot of those teams on the brand side, um, they are slow to adapt 
Whereas the marketing teams are much faster, you know, what I want to test mm-hmm. next, that sort of thing. So they're in the nature of um, rapid changes, whereas the finance teams are not. Steve, Jason, would you agree with all of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that a, a lot of a, a lot of marketers rely heavily on direct data, right? So I'm following this pixel from when it happened through to the process, right? And that has been the standard for the last 15 years, the last five years, as digital has increased their budgets by thousands of X, right? But now because of pixel blocking and different regulation that's happening out there, we're having to go back to where we used to be, which is more like media mix and looking at things from an indirect standpoint to say, yes, a bunch of display uh, exposures happened, but what is the indirect effect of having that? So you're having to go back to more aggregate modeling to understand kind of what is the relationship of these things that are happening, as opposed to just saying, hey, I'll just follow the pixel. It'll tell me what's going on, right? Because that's just not where it used to be, you know, even three years ago. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, for the past 10 to 15 years, the cookie really did help display um, in being able to have that that visibility. But that's absolutely true with that loss of signal and needs to go back to more big data analysis of what's going on. And I'm sure too, you know, back to the initial comment on this question of we're taking a very one size fits all approach as kind of the standard today. If you even ask any SEM team, you know, we're talking about search as an overall channel. uh, But even within the different types of campaigns that most advertisers are running, the difference between a non-brand campaign of terms or shopping campaign versus a, a branded campaign, the the actual incremental attribution impact uh, to the brand from a branded versus non-branded standpoint is going to look very different. So um, it's, it's helpful to keep that context in mind and not just think about it all in one bucket. Attribution is not a one size fits all, right? And I would even say that from industry to industry, it changes from client to client. Because everybody uses their media differently, how they drive people, where they drive them to. Is it to a lead? Is it to an app? Is it to an online visit? Is it to a is it to a store? Is it to so everybody's using it and everybody has, speaking specifically of finance, has different KPIs that they believe are the golden rule or the golden ticket that are mm-hmm. going to drive their business, right? And so being able to adjust for that is part of what we have to do is not even having the right terminology as we go from client to client, but also knowing what's driving their business, where it's driving them, how big of an impact that is, and making sure that we right size our attribution solutions for each of them differently. We don't want to seem like we're projecting a position of search doesn't actually do anything. Um, you know, not anybody can attest to non-branded search working very well. You know, I want I want black pants. I just want men's black pants. What am I going to do? And um, if I see an ad at the top of the SERP, it definitely affects me. Same thing with the um, the research done around defending turf on branded terms. Um, just to be clear, we we wouldn't say that search um, isn't effective, but uh, it's just probably overrepresented a little bit. Hmm. And Gaia and yeah. Andrew, with your background, I'm sure you can more expertly <laughs> weigh <Yes>. in there. <laughs> We're biased as people with heavy search uh-huh. backgrounds. But yeah, I'm sure many of the statements that we've even made on the episode so far, like the relative attribution length uh, 
you know, if you're thinking about selling high tech or, you know, something that has a very long lead time, if you're buying a car, right? Like I'm sure the lead times, depending on vertical and everything are going to impact all of these minute decisions that we're talking about that are going to go into what we actually recommend for the attribution. Absolutely. Um, Things like another good example, you said, uh, so long consideration windows, right? So like buying a car, uh, student loans, um, home loans, a lot of loans. Um, those things can fall well outside of an attribute, a standard attribution window. And that's, again, where that conversation with the, uh, the brand team needs to take place to understand and communicate. For you specifically, uh, this is probably what we would recommend. That's right. Right. And then another thing too around attribution, we don't always just go towards a conversion. So as you two brought up about paid search is that we look at the relationship between display driving conversion, but also the relationship between display and paid search. So in a lot of cases, we see where a a client will have paid search or shopping taking a lot of credit. But when we run a secondary transference model or kind of a halo effect, we can see that 20% 20% of that may have come from display or, mm. or from television or from other areas that because paid search is towards one of the last things you look at, again, depending on the industry, right. other channels can be affected that. So if you pull back and display, paid search would be negatively affected. So we also try to bring things like that into when we get really sophisticated with clients and their spend, to try to help them understand how the things are working in, in, in a relationship. And I want to be fair to maybe some of the, the standard selections and attribution models that a lot of clients probably opt into, like Last Touch. Um, since we've talked a lot about the pitfalls of them, what are exactly like the benefits? Is it just that they're they're easy and cheaper to deploy or are there other things that are actually weighing into that decision? Yeah. I mean I think when you think about Last Touch, you know, it, like we were just saying here, we'll give we'll give Last Touch a little love, just like we'll give Search a little love. Right? <laughs> you know, every channel and every attribution model has its place. Um, yeah, I, I think you hit on it. I think Last Touch, you know, it's universal, right? At the end of the day, you as a marketer, it's one of the first things you're going to learn uh, about when you start, you know, uh, advertising in the various platforms. You know, every platform has their own derivation, but they all perform very similarly, and their tracking methods are very similar. So, the benefits for an analytics person, and even for you know the finance people, as we're talking about there, those those dastardly finance people that never approve budgets. You know, it's just super easy for them to understand, right? It's you know, it's clean, it's simple. It's you know, what was the last thing that somebody saw before they did whatever the action was that you wanted them to take? And you know, there is a value to that, and I think understanding that value and understanding the audiences for that value, I think is key. The other thing is, is that you're usually able to get a very long uh, history of that uh, sort of prediction. You know, Mm -hmm. some of these other methods and technologies, you know, we're not able to see that data, you know, going back, you know, days, years, maybe months even. And, or even some of the things that Jason's talking about from a model standpoint, you know, there's, you know, ways to refresh models on a really rapid cadence, but what sort of variability are you going to see, you know, day to day, you know, versus, you know, one of the things you're able to do from what Island was talking about from testing is, you know, if you implement a test tomorrow, uh, from a last touch perspective, you'll be able to see that signal almost immediately, depending on the volume, of course, right? If you're, you know, we're talking about cars and homes, you know, maybe that'll take a few more months until that starts to ramp up. But if we're talking about consumables, you know, or convenience store uh, conversions or something of that nature where, you know, that turnaround time is super rapid, you'd actually be able to see that signal in a, in a much more quicker way with the last touch model than you would with some others. So again, it's 
it's all about that balance as we're talking about here, you know, where, what is the objective that you're trying to achieve? And, you know, last touch can help you certainly in some of those. I agree with Steve from a standpoint of testing is the biggest thing, right? It's like, if you're trying to understand different tests, whether it's platform tests, whether it's tactic tests, those types of things, things that go on and off very quickly, last touch is only play because the spend's not big enough. The activity's not big enough. You need to have mm. some sort of a economies of scale, essentially, to get when you're modeling at higher levels, how this is working. And those types of tests don't show up they, and they can be infrequent. So when thinking about a media mix, you're looking about the impact of media over three years. To understand a 1% or a half a percent test happening within a one month period, some of those bigger modeling solutions just are going to be over baking and they're never really going to understand that. So if you're trying to understand certain channel, even certain channels to test into a Pinterest or TikTok or those types of things, those tests take a while to bake, to hit that ground running big enough so they start to show up in some of the bigger modeling solutions too. So for any accounts that are running kind of like very quick turnaround, Black Friday, Cyber Monday tests or during this holiday period, it might be really helpful to use Last Touch just to be able to get some results and know whether we're we're pausing, we're pumping more money into it, for example. Is that is that what you're describing? Yeah, depending on your yeah, absolutely. Depending on your modeling approach and how you're using your attribution setup, in most cases, those smaller tests make more sense to have last touch. That being said, we would also never say to not use last touch or something else. Attribution in my mind is it's, it's a collection of different tools, right? It's like I look at last touch and then I maybe you've got some sort of deterministic approach and then you've got multi-touch and then you've got MMM. And then finance has their numbers, right? Because that always happens too. So everybody brings kind of a number and you look at them and you say, okay, these different, because one approach doesn't answer all the questions, right? There is a hole in each approach that the other approaches are trying to cover up for. So having all of those other, other tools in your bag essentially can help get you like a better idea of how that campaign's performing. Only using one is when you're kind of like, well, I hope this approach works for all these different scenarios that we're trying to think that it's going to work for. And then we believe that number. It's more like we have three different numbers trying to predict the same type of campaign or channel level performance. Which do we feel is most accurate with the culmination of those types of numbers, right? That That's kind of the where we would say to get to, which is so that's why last click is still really relevant in some cases. Yeah. And I would reinforce the idea of not only testing, but just as Jason mentioned, multiple tests, tests over time. Too often, I think marketers do a test because they want to test incrementality um, and they want to prove the worth of the channel that they're using or the tactic they're using. And they may get a bad result and they pull the plug, which is definitely the wrong move. Um, you need to test. Um, multiple times you need to test over time. And similarly, if you see a result that's too good to be true, don't take that too much to heart <laughs> either. Um, it can work both ways. So testing and testing a lot is usually the best way to find the most accurate answer. So this is a great conversation. Could we share an example of what a real life attribution example looks like that you've seen on an account or with a client or elsewhere? Um, where we can show some sort of like result relating to the attribution changes that were, were made. Yeah, I can jump in with one that's, you know, uh, near and dear to my heart. So there was a electronics brand that we were working with. Um, you know, we've been engaged with them for, you know, one, maybe two years at this point and their internal teams had started building their own MMM, right. You know, tail is always time, you know, 
us marketers going along our business. And then Jason comes and tries to ruin it by telling us he knows better with his models. No, just kidding. He does. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, it's one of those that um, there was a situation was where we had been optimizing and creating our own sort of, if you will, pseudo modeled approach off of, you know, ad server data and being able to understand from a digital perspective, what was moving the needle to get people to either visit a site or purchase this at different, various different products, either from direct to site or from a various retailers. And this MMM that came in specifically was a special brand. Now, this is kind of like kind of leading into some of the stuff I think we're going to head on later, but a special uh, variant of MMM, which was just targeting towards incrementality, which channels were driving the most incrementality of media. And this one ended up saying that you should, uh, you know, slash half of your search spending because it's not really driving any sort of incremental value. Now, again, um, I think the cuts in total for a, I think Q4 budget of like 15 million, they were recommending like $5 million of cuts. And we were like, guys, hold the brakes, you know, Q4. It's like, this is our drive time. You know, you guys want to sell all the stuff. <laughs> uh, maybe we should rethink this and we were able to kind of walk them back from the ledge a little bit with some of the other data that we had together. But again, it was, you know, that push and pull of, you know, the modeled approach really showing that maybe there is something around incrementality with some of these other different channels, but then the reality of, you know, what's the ramifications if we're wrong, right? You know, some of this, some of this information, if you put it together in a one time, uh, not to say that the very smart people at this company weren't uh, taking all the right steps, but, you know, rationalizing these things with business logic, right. And understanding what are you really asking to pull money away from? And maybe there's some floors and ceilings you can put around those parameters to say, you know, there's a minimum threshold that we need to be at for let's just pick on search again here to say that you need to be relevant and always at the top of a page when it comes to your brand terms and, you know, winning enough of those non-brands to be relevant. Um, you know, and that's some of the things that we were able to help them with. And luckily they did. Uh, we were able to cut that cut in half, which was great. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there's lots of other examples like that, Jason. I'm, you know, picking on you a little bit here, but I'm sure there's pr plenty where you've seen success on the other side of it too, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's why we try to work with all layers of the attribution. We we ingest the, beta, the best data we have. We, we we model it based on the specific outcome and the impact, specifically for media mix, the amount of short-term impact, so 13 weeks of impact. But if you have products that have a longer buying cycle, it's not going to have that, right? If they're higher ticketed prices, right, it's not going to... It's harder to look at those because there's a lot of different... Um, data points and training that needs to happen there. Some models are built at a national level to say, this is how it's supposed to work across the US. But when we actually run our models at a DMA level or even a zip code level, we find markets that it's working really well versus it doesn't. And so it, it all having all the context of how it was built, what it was trying to do, what it was built for may not be aligned to what Steve had set his tests up to do. And so trying to understand kind of what was his test doing versus what our models were doing and trying to have that uh, definitely is something that we need to take in account of, uh, or even CMOs or marketing professionals need to think about too when they're trying to evaluate these different outputs um, from all this media that they're spending. So far in the conversation, we've definitely uh, heard a lot about you know state of business today. We've identified a ton of deficiencies in being able to track data effectively um, and attribute correct credit to each channel or touch. Um, and we're going to pick up on this conversation in part two of this episode. We'll talk about, you know, options for that going forward um, and what 
potential solutions are available for, for brands and advertisers. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and rate and review us. It helps others find us. And please be sure to tell a friend. This episode was produced by Merkel with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. Our team includes copywriting by Annika Schliesman, graphic design by Garrett Rubel, website support by Bella Paul and Emily Chu, and social media and promotion by Gina Astrop, Lily Williams, and Andrea Ratner. Tune in next time. And until then, I'm Andrew McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.